Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. The passage that I picked as the kind of framework for my thoughts for this evening is from Luke chapter 10. And if you've brought your Bible or your phone and you want to open it, you can do that. And um, Luke chapter 10, but actually you probably understand it, perhaps we'll understand it better if you go back a little bit into Luke chapter 9. Because in my Bible, that last section at the end of Luke 9 is headed, The Cost of Following Jesus. And as I read it, you'll see, as you look at the end of Luke 9, that there's always been people interested in Jesus. There's always been people curious about following Jesus. Some even said that they were willing to follow him, but it was on their terms. Yes, they would come, but first, their butts got in the way. I knew somebody would laugh at that. That's probably why I put it in. (laughs) Their butts got in the way of putting Jesus first. I'll read verse 57, chapter 9. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Matthew's gospel tells us this young man was a scribe. They were the wealthy, looked after, educated Religious scholars from the nobility in Israel. So he's like a comfortable theorist. Really good theological questions that he wants to ask. And he's seen Jesus do miracles. He's heard this amazing teaching. So he's interested enough to say, I'll follow you wherever you go. Like, I'd like to be a follower. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. head." In other words, really? Will you really follow me with no guarantee of comfort? He said to another man, follow me. So this time, this isn't the man saying to Jesus, this is Jesus saying to the man. Imagine the privilege of that moment. The king of kings is inviting this person, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Notice, he's saying, Lord, but. First, I have this other priority. Who's Lord here? Who's in charge? And we hear what he's saying, and most of us are going to think, well, fair enough. His dad's just died. He's got a funeral to sort out. Not so. See, this was a Jewish idiom of speech at the time, which basically meant, I want to get my inheritance now. I want to sort out my financial stuff. You remember the prodigal son? Remember the first one, how he went to his dad? And he said, give me my share of the inheritance now. That's what this guy's saying. He said, I will follow you, but first of all, I want to get all my finances all sorted out. Then when that's ready, then 
outcome, when I've got that security, I just need my security there, all in order, then yeah, full on, put me down for anything. Just, just need to get, I need to be sensible about this. The way the Amplified Bible translates Jesus' reply is this, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another, number three, said, I will follow you, Lord, but first, what's first this time? Let me go and say goodbye to my family. Very similar. What he means is, I just have to sort my stuff out first. I need to set my affairs in order first. I've got things to do and people to see, and that's important, and then I'll be, I'll be all in. Not now, not yet, but then. When I've got these things in order. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit, i.e. ready, for service in the kingdom of God. This is about focus. In other words, there's all these kinds of distractions. All these other things that we can do that can take our attention away and can become the most important thing to us. And they are important. They are good things, many of them. But Jesus is saying here, don't let the distractions keep you from the focus that you need to follow him. And now, from that, we carry on reading in Luke 10. Because the good thing is, it, it, the way it starts, it says this, after this. So it's good to look what came before, so you know after this is after what. What's it after? It's after them. After them, those three, the Lord appointed 72 others. Say others. Others. And sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. I want to be one of the others. I just want to be one of the others. I don't care if nobody knows my name. We don't know their names. They're not the 12. We know their names. These are the nameless and faceless. Sent by Jesus. I want to be one of those. I want to be one of the others. I want to be part of that. I don't want there to be anything or anyone that is a but first that will compete with him and with that. That will stop me at the end of my life looking back and going, oh man. I don't want to go look back at the end of my life and go, oh man. I could have done that for Jesus. I could have gone there for Jesus. He sent me and I didn't go. Because there was something else first. Somebody else first. Somewhere else first. I, I just want to be one of the others. I want to go when he sends me, where he sends me, knowing that he sent me. Why? Because he is coming soon. Anybody else believe he's coming soon? He's coming soon. I want to live like he's coming soon too. I don't know how, how long it's going to be, but I know it's soon. I know it will be sooner than we think. Are we living today like he's coming soon? Are we planning like he's coming soon? Are we praying like he's coming soon? Are we living like he's coming? How much of that day 
is affecting today. Martin Luther said, I only have two days on my calendar. This day and that day. They were sent by Jesus. He told them, verse 2, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. There's no problem with the harvest. On your street, there's a harvest waiting. In our schools, there's a harvest waiting. On the estate where you live, there's a harvest waiting. In the workplace where God has put you, there is a harvest waiting. The harvest is plentiful. The problem is not with the harvest. The problem is, will we go? Are the labourers? Are we praying? And when we start to pray, are we stepping up to be part of the answer? I don't know about you, but I've noticed people are ready for a harvest. More than ever, I think. We're living in a place that's looking for hope. People are unfulfilled. People are fearful about everything. Every, I mean everything. People live in fear. Anxiety is like up here all the time. And we have a God who... Every day of the week, 365 times in the Bible says, do not fear. We've got hope that everybody needs. The harvest is plentiful. The workers, the harvesters are few. So what do we do? Jesus says, pray. This new thing movement that Ivy's become part of in these recent years, well, something that many of us do on that is that we set an alarm for 10.02. And every day my alarm goes off, just beep, 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 and it just reminds me, do that, because this is from Luke 10.2. Every day, you just pray, Lord, send out some workers, call some people to go into the harvest field that is your world, and here I am, send me. That's how you've, you've really got to end that too. And this week, as part of that, as we, as we mentioned, we gathered many leaders right in this room to be in two learning communities as New Thing Catalyst Communities. Teams from across this region, this nation. See, some years ago I came back and I said, we're part of this crazy vision. I don't even know it's going to happen. But the dream is that we could be part of helping to plant like you know, 500 churches across Western Europe. And I have no idea how we're going to do it, so we've all got to pray. And I've still got no idea how we're going to do it, but it's by the end of 2020. And I'll tell you what, it's happening. And we're losing, we're running out. The problem is you can't count what God is doing. Because it's a lot more than we could have expected. And in all these kind of places, people, we're part of something God is doing. When you might think the church is in decline and in decline and in decline, that the churches where the gospel is being preached and where harvesters are going out are finding that there really is a harvest in all these different nations. And we had right in this room, in the same week as all this stuff's gone on with Brexit and how do we get on with our neighbours, well, we had some Americans and we also had people from Austria and Poland, some French people. An international church, various denominations and none, all learning and dreaming bigger dreams with us here at Ivy to plant more and more new churches in the next two to five years. And that's where Emma is now. She's gone to France to be able to be part of helping to teach two lots of people in France, two different more groups in France. And then they're going to go on and they'll do it later in the year in Germany too. Just sowing out into the harvest field in those different ways. And the amazing thing is this, that the new thing guys, who we've invested this stuff into in the past, they've now recognised what Emma's doing. They said, we'd like to pay for her. I think that's brilliant, isn't it? Because the the harvest is is where it's at. Go, I'm sending you out. I'm sending you out, he says, like lambs among wolves. 
That's why he always sent them in twos. Because if we're on our own, we get picked off. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. That greeting was because in Oriental times, etc. they would go and they would have these elaborate greeting things that would all, you know, spend all this time, you know, saying hello. They wouldn't just say hello. It's like, you know, keep it simple. Keep it simple, saints. The secret of focus is to keep the main thing the main thing. There are all kinds of other things that could distract us from this. All kinds of things we could think that we need. Trust God. Jesus says, don't worry about the money. Don't worry about extra sandals and sun cream. <laughs> travel light to travel far and travel fast. So that's why, in a year of focus, we do have to keep asking about everything that we do. Is it nice? Is it a, a nice thing? Or is it helping people find their way back to God? Is it like a good thing? Oh, that's a good thing. Not a bad thing. Okay. Is it making disciples who make disciples? If not, why are we doing it? The problem with churches is that we can so easily end up getting more and more nice things. More and more good things that we keep on doing. We get over busy, under resourced in the end. And, you know, it's, there's, a, there's a great book called Good to Great by a guy called Jim Collins' business book. But after that, he did another one called How the Mighty Fall. And he said that the reason why you can have a great organization or a great business and then it all goes wrong is this is the phrase, said, the undisciplined pursuit of growth. Where you just keep having to go at this and having to go at that and having to go at everything. But you never stop and you ask the question, think, is that the main thing? And we have to pray and not just assume that. Because it's never hard to start things. It's really hard to stop them. Especially in church, because that's always somebody's thing. And many of them are good things. But many of them just end up as being, why are we even doing that? Verse 5, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If somebody who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return. Literally, it will boomerang back to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. In other words, don't worry trying to get what you need by going to lots and lots of different places. Hudson Taylor said, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. He is too wise a God to frustrate his purposes for lack of funds. We are his messengers. We are his ambassadors. We have the resources of the kingdom available to us. So what's the plan? Trust God. The rest is details. Verse 8, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what's offered to you. Heal those who are sick. Expect a miracle. Keep on expecting a miracle. And tell them, works and word, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Simple message. Simple, I'm a, I want to be a simple messenger with a simple message. Every one of us can tell somebody kingdom of God has come we make it all so complicated 
But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. The message doesn't change just because somebody rejects it. It's the same message, whether or not our culture likes it, whether or not other people will receive it or not. It's the same message. That's the gospel. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that, time for time, on that day for Sodom than for that time, town. And then Jesus starts to call out woes in the same ways they would do at a funeral in those days, to tell everybody, remind them all, the consequences of refusing him. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. If the miracles performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they'd have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it would be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the heavens? No, you'll go down to Hades. Heaven and hell. I believe in both. The fact that I believe in both really makes me want to make sure, as best as I can, that I'm one of the others. It just goes when Jesus sends me with a simple message. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. This says not everybody will come. Not everybody will stay. But every one of us is sent. Sent by Jesus into this world, your world. You are sent into your world to make it his world. So you need to know what your world is. We have all kinds of worlds represented in this room. The 72 return with joy. That's not a woman they met. I know. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. We're like, come on, we are the super spiritual warriors. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In other words, I'm not that impressed. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. We have to remember that. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Make no mistake, this is a spiritual battle. This is spiritual warfare. I have never read more, prayed more, or preached more about spiritual warfare than I have in 2019. Because I know for sure that the battles that we fight are not against flesh and blood. I have wrestled demons in dreams this year. I have learned to fast like never before. I've learned to pray like never before. I've learned to wake up every day and put my armour on. And I have thanked God for some of you who have stood lock shields with me and gone forward together as we have undergone through suffering and perseverance and developed character and held on to hope no matter what. But I don't rejoice in that. The devil is a defeated foe. He wants to take our attention off the main thing. And the main thing is what makes us undefeatable is the knowing that we are sent by Jesus and we are loved by the Father. I am loved by the Father. I rejoice in that tonight. I'm going to rejoice in that forever. Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. 
I am loved. You are loved by the Father. Keep it simple, saints. The main thing we need to know about Jesus is he saved us and he's sending us. The main thing that we need to know about the Father is he loves us and we're all his children. Who is God? Somebody wants to know who is God? He's my dad. You can say that. Because Jesus said he can say that. He's my dad and he loves me. 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 And in that flower, there's never going to be a he loves me not. Who are you? Outside of the opinions of others. Outside even of your own opinion. Brennan Manning wrote this. Define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is an illusion. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Isn't it funny how the kids get it so much quicker? The kids just get it so much easier than we do. Just receive it. Jesus was all about the Father. He knew he was loved by the Father. And he wants you and me to know that we are loved. Just the same. He is the Son of God. We are the children of God. Loved by the Father. And when the ones who were sent came back, he was so happy. Not because they got it all right. Not because they got it all perfect. Not because they were the brightest and the best. No. Because they had to go. That was it. Are you full of joy tonight? Jesus was full of joy. I am full of joy. I'll tell you why. I love this church. I really love this church. And I love that I get to have a go at the Jesus mission with you. Two by two. Never want to do it on my own. I love that the devil's on the run. No matter what. And I love that Jesus is coming soon. But do you know why I'm really full of joy? One reason. It's not because of circumstances, because everything can change really quickly. Why am I full of joy? It's because I'm full of the Holy Spirit. That's why. Joy is an outcome of what's inside. I am sent by Jesus. I am loved by the Father. And I am full of the Holy Spirit. Shabahabala. <laughs> I had to say something in tongues. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit makes me full of joy. How about you? Yeah? Stand if you're able then. Let's pray. Do this with me. Say, do this hand, hand signals. I am sent. Do that. I am sent. Yeah? I am loved. And I'm going to be filled. 
I don't know if you're full. I feel full tonight. Do it again. I am sent. Sent by Jesus. I am loved by the Father. And I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. Fill me now with the Holy Spirit. Fill us now with the Holy Spirit, Lord. Apart from you, we can do a big, fat nothing. We just say that, Lord, at the beginning of this year and forever. It's not us. We're not great. We're the others. We're the other ones. But Lord, thank you that we're also included. Thank you that we're called to you and sent by you. And just fill us now again with your Holy Spirit. I just want to pray for you. For whatever he sends us into. Whatever battles we need to face spiritually or circumstances we have to go through in this year. May we do so. Full of the Holy Spirit. Because he's the one who's going to make the difference. May you be filled. Don't tell me, oh it happened in 1984. When such and such your body prayed for me and I got that quiver in my liver. Don't say it's, oh, I got filled, I got the Holy Spirit when I became a Christian. It's not the question. It's, are you full? It's not, were you filled? It's, are you full? And we leak. Is there, is, there a, is there a gap that needs to be filled to stop it just, the Holy Spirit just leaking out of you? Ask him. Heal me so you can fill me. Let me know I'm loved with an everlasting love by you, Father. Holy Spirit, come now and fill this church. And that isn't about filling a room. It's not a feeling. Lord, as in the day of Pentecost, would you just come? Come, Holy Spirit, now. We are grateful. We are so thankful, Lord. If you never did anything else for us ever again, you've done so much. You are so good. You are always good. Just fill us with the Holy Spirit. Any empty spaces, any sore spots that need to be healed, just come now, Holy Spirit. May I be full. Every part of me, mind, body, soul, spirit belongs to you. I've laid it all before you as a living sacrifice. This is my acceptable act of worship before you, is to lay my life down before you. And Lord, when we're emptied, we can be filled. We're not full of ourselves, we can be full of you. Holy Spirit, come. The world needs the sent ones the loved ones to be the full ones somebody was telling me Lauren the other day was just saying while she's been on maternity leave there's people she's just been talking to as she's walking around sale and, and as she's been chatting to them they've ended up saying oh, I, knew you, I knew you were a Christian what is a Christian? they can see Jesus in her and hear Jesus in her I want to be full like that Lord whatever else I've been full of I just want to lay that down and say I've just been full of you come Holy Spirit fill us afresh fall on us we pray fill us up
this church be so full of your spirit. Every time we meet, every place we meet, every person we meet, every way we meet, we say it's you, Jesus. You're coming soon. We're sent by you. We are so loved by the Father. Just, just, just voice it. Tell him, Lord, send me where you want me to go. If I get scared, reassure me with your love. I don't, never ever want to run on empty I can't get very far like that so fill me and fill me and tomorrow morning when I wake up let me know I am sent and I am loved and I am full not leave the door not go out to do the, the harvesting that you want me to do without knowing that I've got to do it two by two and I've got to go Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org/media.